Film Club once again confabulating here in the gracious overpriced tennis shoe and douchebag baseball hat guy wearing district known as Fairfax Avenue here at the fabulous Cine Family. Tonight, the Greg Proof Film Club is going to present the 1959 classic uh, Pillow Talk with Doris Day, Rock Hudson, Tony Randall, and Thelma Ritter. Uh, and uh, this is, you might applaud here just so that the audience gets the idea that there are people. Thank you. Hadrian B. Love will be included in tonight's podcast. I wish we had the miracle of uh, uh, one day someone's going to invent a medium where the visuals are expressed. And uh, when they do, uh, we hope to be at the... Hello, tall person. We hope to be at the forefront uh, of that. And uh, Hadrian's jacket tonight was much like the Escher bird drawing. However, it was done in shades of blue and white. Uh, so it led someone to another uh, portal, uh, another, another, another vision of Calabasas. You know what I mean? It was like uh, you broke on through to the other side. It wasn't like you were eating a, br- a dope brownie so much as you were eating like dosed guacamole and all of a sudden noticed that a person near you was oscillating in a weird way uh, that you hadn't noticed before. Uh, that was the kind of vibe I was getting from the jacket tonight. So that was a very Maya Durin uh, it, uh, it, it rocked my boots in uh, several different ways. Normally, I don't talk about Hadrian's wardrobe because I'm ashamed. Uh, of, I'm always like, Did you, do you have no mirrors and is there no closet in your home? Is there simply a mound of clothes and you run through it headlong? And then something comes out of the other end. But tonight, he was put together like James Garner. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was a very deep situation. Well, it is. I mean, it continues to be. That's the thing. We're still living uh, with the resonance of uh, having seen the flying bird jacket. Uh, A lot of people couldn't wear it. If I was going to wear it, and I wouldn't wear the jacket, hot pants for me, I think, really. Like, you know, I'll tell you why, and I know you're laughing. Uh, It's summer. So... You know what I mean? Like, let's go to the banana bungalow next door. If I could just situate the people who are listening in podcast land. We're here in glamorous Hollywood across the street from a high school that's putting on the Dan Fogelberg musical, A Part of the Plan. <laughs> They've taken away all our parking, so all of us have had to park in Siberia. Literally Siberia. Some of us near the newsstand. I think we all know what I'm talking about. And we've walked our ass back over here, which in L.A. is uh, uh, almost lunacy, really. It's like, it, uh, it is. It's it's like going to uh, 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 Hong Kong, uh, uh, Brooklyn and having someone give you something for free. Um, it's a thank you. It's, it's simply not in their character. It's like going to Sicily and not having to pay a bribe to like go to a museum. Um, in any case, uh, we've all had to walk here. And uh, in the neighborhood, there's, uh, there's care centers for people. There's uh, uh, definitely um, uh, those on the way out. Sometimes you'll hear their ghostly moans during the podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, not to make it morbid, but to celebrate life and all of its various permutations, colors, rainbows, and iridescent fucking variegated flow that we all are part of as the animus that binds us one homo sapiens to another because of the cinema that we all love and adore and the fact that it's splashed upon the silver screen and that tonight we're going to be grooving on the gayest movie of all time or the straightest gay movie of all time or the gayest straight movie of all time. Kate Bornstein couldn't classify this fucking movie. This movie works on so many levels. So near us is the Jewish Center, and then uh, there used to be lots more Judaica on the street, uh, which means stores that uh, Goyish don't go into, because uh, let's face it, Jews don't go into them, (laughs) unless you're very serious about decorating your home with enormous swatches of blue and Hebrew lettering. (laughs) 
in which case, right on. Um, uh, after all, we are celebrating movies. And uh, uh, in any case, uh, that's what's here. But then in the last few years, has opened up a whole new bag of uh, uh, fuckery. Uh, there's young people everywhere. And uh, it, it's, it's improved the neighborhood as, actually. Uh, the neighborhood, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was moribund before, but its axis was Cantor's kibitz room. And I think the focus has shifted ever so slightly uh, to the focus not being that. Uh, the focus is um, guys in line all night long, or if you're from, or if you're listening in Britain in a queue, and if you're listening in New York online all night long, out in front uh, waiting for I guess a new pair of tennis shoes, which will be multicolored and have the name of a basketball player who I don't know because I'm not that cool, and uh, that happens in this neighborhood. And then there's us, <laughs> stranded with no parking. <laughs> Like the last projectionist in a world of fucking DVDs. <laughs> Receding into the distance like a Tarkovsky movie. The profundity of the loneliness matching the singularity of our vision as together, hand in hand, we are the last people who fucking go to a movie on Wednesday night in L.A. <laughs> Not just a movie, but a 55-year-old comedy. <laughs> where everyone's sexuality is deeply and abidingly a question mark till the end of time. If Thelma Ritter's not a lesbian, she played one in a prison movie once. Tony Randall, I don't think I have to go into details. I don't know if he is or isn't, and I'm not even hazarding a guess. Let's just say he always played it like he was and wasn't. We all know about the rock. Rock is immortal. Rock strides the earth like a colossus. When the earth was created and humankind sprang fully blown from the forehead of the gods, um, he was at the forefront, leading the pack with ripped abs and perfect teeth and uh, an etched jaw, uh, a a jaw that's an invitation and a sexual suggestion. Uh, His hair uh, is a carpet that's inviting you to crawl in it. Uh, His body is long uh, and not overly muscular, but hey, when he takes it off, you're like, zing, zang, and... Everyone in this movie wants to have Congress with Rock Hudson, which I think is the documentary part of the movie. (laughs) I don't know for a fact, and Doris Day is quite alive, by the way. Uh, She's uh, 90-something, 91, I believe, and uh, uh, was, when this picture got made, she was in the top 10 box office draws. After this picture got made, her career in the next five years was the biggest career of almost anyone. For five years, she was like the number one star. I'm not kidding. All during the Beatles-Kennedy era, it's bloody Doris Day. And then, all of a sudden, marijuana was discovered, and the Negro was heard, and the earth shifted, and suddenly Doris Day was a virgin. Uh, Way late in the game for a lot of people's taste. Um, I think she's a mighty titan, and I welcome. I think she's a mighty titan and uh, deserving of unreserved uh, uh, respect in every part of her game. Not only is she a kicky singer, of course she uh, lights up the night uh, with her rendition of Pillow Talk at the beginning of the song. Um, where I believe there's a line that goes, must be a pillow, must be a pillow, must be a pillow talking boy. <laughs> 
I think you have to smurf a little uh, when the, the the innuendo in this. Let me just put it this way. I hope you've brought sound architectural clothing with you because the weight of innuendo in this movie is going to bear down on you. Like, mythologically bear down on you. There's subterfuge, there's innuendo, there's, um, uh, there's implication, uh, there's inference, uh, there's inference taken. Um, the croupier from the movie Casablanca, Marcel Dalio, plays a gay French designer in this movie. Try to get your head around it. And (laughs) they don't say he's gay because in 1959, homosexuality was like drinking fountains. Everything was separate. (laughs) Let's just look at the world in 1959. Oh, no! I don't have the theme handy, but I'm going to sing it anyway uh, from a summer place because I think that's the only thing we can... Thank heavens. Um, where do I begin to tell the story of how great a picture can be this is the first of three pictures there's two other Rock and Doris and Tony uh, uh, extravaganzas Lover Come Back and the other one and (laughs) send me no flowers Uh, Lover Come Back is really good because he invents booze candy in that and takes it to a board meeting and dumps it on the table and they all unwrap it and go this is quite good and then later it's discovered that each candy that you eat is equal to a shot of whiskey so everyone's eating like 10-15 candies and the place is fucking going crazy and you (laughs) this candy's sensational how do I you have my vote that's what these are 50s Corporate people now are always, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, now, now you do that post, um, Michael Douglas post, uh, uh, you know, where everybody's terse. <laughs> or maybe that's more 80s. That's my favorite era of the corporate asshole when they're like, yeah, up the sperm counter, it's off. <laughs> <laughs> like that Oliver Stone, you know, like, I'm not acting, I'm just a dick. <laughs> But in 50s comedies, corporate people are like, well, I don't know. I don't think it's very well advised. And then a girl comes in and they're like, well, this idea of yours, it's a winner. And you're like, really? Uh, Doris Day said this. Uh, She's a a huge animal rights activist. By that, I mean she's uh, extensive in her reach. I don't mean that she herself is huge and an animal rights activist. I run into a lot of trouble with the Oxford comma. She's a huge animal rights activist. Huge. Uh, No, as far as I know, her figure is as trim and delightful as it always was. And by the way, right? Like, there's two things you can say about Mitzi Gaynor and Doris Day, and it's boom, boom, pow. Those chickens jacking my style. 
Here's what Doris Day said, and these are rich. Uh, Gratitude is riches. Complaint is poverty. Mmm. Who fucking says that? That's so obverse, right? Isn't it the obverse of what we actually know to be true? I love that she said that. The crowd's gone quiet. Greg, we didn't think there was going to be what could only be described in early movie patois dime store fucking psychology going on here. <laughs> really? You took a quote that a movie star of an immense caliber said and you diminished it down to your own bitter level because you're cynically trying to get a joke out of the people here? Possibly. <laughs> but I really did think uh, that gratitude is riches is, uh, is an arguable point. Almost worthy of... Uh, it's such a provocative point. It's almost a French philosopher's point. Because to say that poverty is complaint and gratitude is riches is to uh, t- turn the world upside down. Everyone knows that rich people run everything and they are not gratitudinal in any way. They are, in fact, bummer central, to put it mildly. Rich people toil not, neither do they spin. They simply gather and profit and growth are their only motives and they don't seem to care a fig or a hoot about uh, you and I, much less the underclass. Tonight's movie's Battleship Potemkin. We've just... I made a quick editorial change. Robbo, change the reels. Gotta be a Patillo Pimpkin, boy, for... Must like a pillow. Battleship Potemkin. Gotta be a Battleship Potemkin, girl, for... Girl, for me. Girl, for me. Girl, for me. Doris Day said this. I don't even like parties. <laughs> Hell to the yes. And this one, I think, I'm not going to uh, ruin it with a preamble. Let's just dive right in. Any girl can look glamorous. Just stand there and look stupid. <laughs> Hey, Surah, Surah, whatever will be, will be. She has that unbelievable smile. And her feet are always kicking. Watch for feet kicking. If it's true that men are such beasts, this must account for the fact that most women are animal lovers. There's a syllogism. Or is it a solipsism? Or is it a tetrarch? What did Hadrian call his fucking coat? Tetris or some bullshit he made up? I think it's called a snag trark. Which brings me to the greatest line in movie history. Uh, there's a movie uh, with John Agar, and it's a horrible horror film from the early 60s, about this era, in fact, and, uh, you know, nuclear monsters. And uh, it's called Zontar, the th- comma, the thing from Venus. Or it might be Zontar brackets, the thing from Venus and Baron. I can't remember. In any case, uh, uh, they, they've become in contact with the alien being. And one of his, he's telling his, his intellectual friends in their Southern California flat, because, oh, yes, thank you. It's a horror movie from 1960, so there's, yes, it takes place in L.A. And um, 
He says, well, what does it call itself? And he goes, well, there's no... There's no literal translation, but roughly translated from the Venusian, it would be Zontar. (laughs) That's why movies are magic, you guys. There's three reasons movies are magic. Rita Hayworth. Peggy Cummings' nostril flare in the movie Gun Crazy. If you leave, Bart, don't come back because I won't be waiting for you. And he fucking comes back. And right before he kisses her, she goes... Twice. Next time you see it. And, roughly translated from the Venusian, it would be Zontar. And I, as a child, went, hmm. Yes. I could see why a creature like that would name himself Zontar. So awesome. So this movie asks you to believe that Rock Hudson and Doris Day live in the same apartment building. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't lose me. Doris was 37. Rock was 33 when they made this movie, or thereabouts. Don't quote me. And uh, what am I, a source? Uh, I'd like to, if I may. Um... And uh, the, 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 Doris is a career uh, lady, and uh, rock, uh, well, she's a career girl. Let's be honest, and um, and slightly prudish. <laughs> rock um, is an enormous object of sexual desire to everything that's in the movie. <laughs> that's his character description. I read it in the script, <laughs> and that's how he plays it. Crikey, it's almost film time. I haven't found an outlet on the interwebs where you can watch this for free. So my suggestion is you barge into a video store that's closing and you run to the rom-com pile. This one has a cover with uh, Rock and Doris on it smiling at each other. Um, And that you filch that. And then you put it underneath your leather jacket and then jump back on your Vespa. (laughs) And you know what music is playing when you fucking take off? Uh, ooh, white heat, right? Lou Reed is fucking playing, right? White light, white light, right? That's what's fucking in you, fucking. And then you get home and you fucking spin our movie tonight from 1959 with Rock Hudson and Doris Day. Pillow talk, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. That picture's terrific. 55 years later, and it's still hilarious. Everyone was crying laughing. How about when he goes, some guys love their mothers too much or whatever. And then, oh, I hope I get the recipe for that dip and whatnot. Tony Randall. Wow. Wow. 
this picture is just delightful, and that's the thing that's missing from uh, like pictures in general. But uh, uh, Joris Day felt real strongly about that. I think I was reading today that she turned down Mrs. Robinson because she thought it was vulgar. And um, how great a Mrs. Robinson would Doris Day have been in '67? Right? That's like seven years after this picture. Um, She's thumping McTavish. The thing that makes this picture so awesome, aside from the script, which is scintillating, is that um, every single person in it is a great comedian. Um, she just takes in the beginning and shit where she goes like, like that, and like total eye crossing, eye rolling, and stuff. And then rock. The scene in the bathtub. There's no one in this room who didn't get wet during that fucking scene in the bathtub. Seriously. That's what's missing from everything, right? Innuendo and inference are, uh, are, are the writer's friends. Um, dick jokes and blowjob jokes and knob gags and whatever that's in everything always are fantastic. Um, there's no question. But uh, a picture like this, I mean, uh, just to see everybody in a room go delighted with it. Uh, we'll t- Robbo, do we have a mic? Should we even do this? Yeah, we'll do it for a minute. Uh, let's chat about it. Uh, first, I just want to say uh, Eddie Foy Jr. is the elevator operator in the movie whose father was Eddie Foy uh, uh, and the Seven Little Foys. And Eddie was one of the Seven Little Foys. And he's an old vaudevillian. Uh, Thelma Ritter is a movie helper in everything she's ever in. Um, yeah. Uh, she got nominated for the Oscar three times but never got one and you're like really? Um, even for this picture and stuff evidently Rock didn't want to do this movie because he thought it would destroy his masculine image and Doris Day convinced him to do it and then they ended up doing three pictures together and they were insanely popular here's another uh, they were they, they, they couldn't get the picture shown in New York City and they had to lean on a theater owner to show it and it's the first picture, I think it was at Radio City Music Hall or something, that made a million dollars at one movie theater. Um, because it, that's how fucking funny this movie is, man. It was a smash. And uh, I think it's still a smash. And uh, Jennifer picked it out tonight. And uh, we picked it for the summer because uh, we wanted it to be frothy. And uh, everyone's had a lot of heavy shit go down this year. Or maybe you haven't. But even if you have, um, this is the kind of picture that makes you just... Um, I don't know. It's like a strawberry milkshake. <laughs> um, does anyone want to chat about anything? We will for a minute, and then we'll blow into this good night and whatnot. If, you, if not, we... Good night, you guys. Cheers. People got shit to do in L.A. First of all, they're parked illegally. I know that. <laughs> If you parked in the high school lot, you're fucked eight ways from Wednesday because they're having a Dan Fogelberg reclamation project uh, uh, um, uh, tow truck incident coming up. Does anyone... There's someone... No, it wasn't. It was an arm movement. Okay, fuck it. I'll talk. And then we'll leave. Oh, no. Someone does want to talk. This, the premise of the show, if anyone hasn't caught it, is that I act like I made the movie, and then I pretend <laughs> I know shit about it, and then later we just kind of bullshit about it. it there's really no cinema to it. I mean, like, it, you know, other than we love movies. Yes. So, so um, this is actually... What's your name, darling? I, Thank you, a woman, the first woman we've had in like eight months. I get, a lot of, I get a lot of men who live alone in, in bed sits in... in uh, Sharon. In Burbank, yes. Uh, Sharon. This, uh, this is actually one of my mother's favorite movies, so it was played a lot growing up, and I'm sure... I'm probably mom... your mother's age, and I love that about you. <laughs> and so I didn't get any of the innuendo, but I like know a lot of the lines... 
like word for word because it was played so much. There not there a song that was missing like of her debating whether or not she's going to sleep with him uh, when she's packing before going on the trip? She is. I think she is. When she goes, um, uh, 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 make love to me. When she's singing in her mind in the car, possess me and whatnot. That I, I think that's the total right. No, wasn't uh, there a song missing though? I think it's the song called Surrender. Like I remember an actual clip that I feel like was missing from this print. Well, I, I don't know. Um, this isn't the director's cut. This is Ridley Scott's cut. So uh, there, there's probably a missing part where there's uh, extra stuff in it and whatnot. And um, um, I, Stanley Kubrick uh, evidently shot a Doris Day sex scene that no one's ever seen. And uh, one day we'll all be privy to that as well. And I'm, I'm really hoping for it. But uh, Yes, my darling. I don't know who was talking. I thought it was you. Yeah, yes. I think that's no, Robinson's got a microphone. Two women in a row. This is awesome. I Normally, we have lonely men who read Cinematique. I think the song contesting like, Andrew Sarris, that kind of people, you know. I Go think on. the song you were talking about is from A Lover Come Back. What? What yeah. about Lover Come Back? Um, the song she was talking about is actually from yeah. Lover Come Back. Yeah. Um, and so like she because like she is like you know putting on her dress and like she's like singing something. So like you're completely right. And I mean like you know it's I thing two years later so like you know like she looks the same obviously Doris Day always looks the same <laughs> she does she's fabulous yeah, no, you're completely, uh, how are their teeth right. so white in the 50s that's what I'd like to know their teeth are astoundingly white I was actually like I wanted to ask you something about like how, what do you think about like Doris Day actually as a feminist icon because like for me she like so I'm I'm like a PhD in film studies. I write a lot about like sex comedies and that kind of stuff. And I'm German. Um, and so I'm really, really interested in like American kind of like ideas of femininity. And like if we compare Doris Day to like other people in the 1950s, she has a job. She's like mid 30s and she's not married. And she's willing to like, you know, hook up with someone on a weekend trip. So like, you know, isn't that kind of like interesting? Because like she's always kind of like portrayed as like, you know, a prude, but she. I agree. And her and her husband, uh, uh, Martin Melcher, whatever his name is, and uh, 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 Ross Hunter uh, produced this movie. And uh, Doris Day was often in control of uh, the product she was putting out. And I think that makes her a proto, uh, not proto, it makes her part of the giant stream of of women in pictures that have been overlooked forever and ever and ever. Um, I don't know that I would say she's a feminist icon of the highest order because, you know... uh, uh, she plays by a lot of rules. I think that uh, people don't recognize so much in these days. But I, I would say that I have nothing but enormous respect and fucking love for uh, Doris Day. Um, the fact that she wasn't willing to, uh, in real life, she was willing to do a lot of things. But in, in picture life, uh, she contained this one uh, image uh, quite a lot. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the um, jazz singer she plays in the one movie with Jimmy Cagney in them. Uh, that, that's probably your best picture where she gets to do some acting and stuff. But in that one, um, what was it called? It's Love Me or Leave Me. Love Me or Leave Me. Thank you very much. Um, I think you're right about her. I think she is a feminist icon. Uh, any, any woman who uh, you know, produced pictures and got pictures made and had the kind of uh, juice that Doris Day had, uh, especially during this period, uh, is definitely a feminist icon in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, Joan Crawford is. I have her signature right here and saying, fucking Mommy Dearest is not true. No, Mommy Dearest isn't true. Even though you're auditioning for the show right now, what I'd like to say is. 
You're absolutely right. And, and Mommy Dearest isn't true. And I'm always hacked off about that because, one, I'm a huge Faye Dunaway fan. And, two, I'm an enormous Joan Crawford fan. And uh, I think Christina was, you know, whatever she was. But uh, I don't think the movie... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you were saying because I was busy waxing eloquent. But the point is this. Uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, she was... It, 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 uh, it, to get back to Doris Day, um, she's fantastic in this and, and fantastic in almost everything. And uh, um, her, she was messed over by all of her husbands in various different ways and uh, came through astoundingly uh, as, as a performer and a, a financial entity in this town, which is... Uh, bloody difficult to do so well done her uh, in any case uh, I don't have a picture plan for next month because we haven't planned one here even though uh, I thought the pictures that were coming up um, the ele- uh, what do they call it in, in American the elevator to the gallows l'ascenseur pour le yeah with uh, uh, all the pictures that were coming up here look smoking off the hook hot uh, so I invite you to come back to those I don't know what our next movie will be but it's going to be fucking good uh, hopefully at the pillow talk level if not we'll make one in the meantime uh, thank you very much for coming out tonight uh, you've been at the Greg Proofs Film Club this has been Pillow Talk I wish you nothing but love and every page you turn be a Sasha Page and every other thing you pop a bell if you have to make good night everybody thank you